0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Take 20. Sorry if I sound a little hoarse or scratchy throat. Um, Still dealing with a few symptoms of COVID-19. Definitely past the worst of it. Uh, But still dealing with a little lethargicness and scratchy throat, stuff like that, but with me feeling better and the draft being over, the finals being over, thought now's a good time to do an episode. So the premise of this episode, uh I actually wanted to do this a while ago, but it only made sense to do it after the finals. Then work got crazy, sickness. And uh, just pushing it back till now. So what we're going to be doing with this, um, I guess, next couple of episodes, really, I'll be going into each division and talking about those teams in those divisions and uh, seeing what I believe they should do, what they may do, uh, just my opinions on them with this coming off season and this next coming season. Uh, and I think there's no better place to start than the Pacific Division because, of course, I'm from L.A. And that's uh, the division that's going to hold the most weight for my team. So really, and also I think it's appropriate to start there because the champs came from the Pacific division and the biggest bust came from the Pacific division, uh, both ends of the spectrum. We can do both. Uh, I think that is best to start there and talk about them. So the first team that I want to talk about is the Phoenix Suns. Um, I really think that they should be looking at their summer from a standpoint of trade everybody, not name Devin Booker and Chris Paul. to be completely honest. Uh, those are the only two players that I would be looking to keep a hold of. Um, we all know the situation with DeAndre Ayton and Monty Williams has deteriorated significantly. Um, that is very unfortunate because... Monty Williams is a great coach. I'm surprised that he's not able to get through to him. Um, It just seems that Aiton is really just done with the team. And this was the concern that I had last summer uh, because they didn't give him his money. That's, everybody knew that this had the potential of happening because they didn't pay somebody that should have gotten paid. Now it is very unfortunate that it has come to this because like I said, I I really do like Monty Williams. He's a great coach and DeAndre Aiden, he's he's a great young big man. But the fact that these two are not getting along is going to kind of follow Aiden for the rest of his career. Um, in that case, like, I, I personally think that the best spot for him to end up is the San Antonio Spurs, to be completely honest. If, if, if I were him, that's where I would want to end up just to show, like, and if I were his agent, that's where I would want him to end up because it would not only put him into a system it would also show that like and i would force him to make it work because once he shows that he can buy in and be coached by one of the toughest coaches in the NBA it it immediately would rise his stock back up again and other teams would be interested which would also force the hand of the Spurs if he were to be on the Spurs to give him a more lucrative contract. So yeah, that, that kind of went off in a tangent, but I think that the Suns really need to look into this. Um, and also I think that they should be looking into finding a new point guard. um, not somebody who can immediately replace Chris Paul, but somebody who can be sitting on the bench behind him, like really soaking up the game and learning from him and will eventually take over the reins. Because if you end up leaving, like getting nothing to replace Chris Paul in the next two to three years, this team will go back from being a one seed to back to being in that nine to 11 range. It's just the way that it is. That's the Chris Paul fact. He's, he is that good. It's not something that I very much like to admit because I'm not the biggest Chris Paul fan, but credit where credit is due. He's, an amazing player, he's a great table setter, and really the best point guard in the league. in, In my opinion, in terms of setting the table, being a facilitating point guard, I think that he's the best in the league. And really, if, like I said, if they don't get somebody who can really pick up that skill set and learn from Chris Paul to replace him within the next two to three years. This team is going to end up trending in a very, very bad direction, very bad direction. And talking about trending in bad direction, I think that would be a good segue into the next team, the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, In my personal opinion, I know that Kyrie Irving is being linked with the team. Um, That could be a very interesting pairing, especially because some people are saying, like really a, a lot of people around the league are saying that they wouldn't hold it out of the realm of possibility that Kyrie would be willing to go to the Lakers for 6 million so it's it's very interesting I don't think that that would actually happen Um, I think that Kyrie would definitely look to get paid a little bit more significantly than that uh, and also have a little bit more security in terms of years I think that if he were to go to the Lakers, they would only be able to offer him the mid-level exception. And that maybe go over two to three years, I believe. Um, So I think that he would be looking for a little bit more security than that. But really, I think that they're okay with Russell Westbrook. Uh, in my opinion, I think that they should ride it out for the first 15 games of the season, see where they're at. And if they're not doing great, go ahead and start filling out those trays for whoever you think needs to be taken off the team. Um, but that is my personal opinion. I think that they're well-equipped to actually compete. Um, also, I mean, who's going to turn their nose up at adding Kyrie Irving at $6 million? I mean, I know the Clippers wouldn't, so I would never expect the Lakers to turn their nose up at, or any team, for that matter. Um, though, I do want to say for the Lakers, it it should be something to be looked at, like is eighty really that guy that you want to take have take over your franchise after everything is said and done um uh, the best ability is availability, and that's what they always say. I'm a firm believer in it, and it it's one of those things where you need to have accountability at some point because like i'm i'm glad that um ad is working on his body during the summer it seems like he does it every year but hopefully this is the time that it it translates i i don't know that's 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 the whole thing it's like Laker fans are constantly saying that they're constantly hoping and wishing that AD will be able to play a full 82 and into the postseason. He had not, like, I don't even think on the championship run he was able to stay that healthy. Um, he benefited from that time. That time off. So it it just shows like he he needs that extra time to recover and keep his body healthy. Now made up a little mock trade and I'm just saying if I was the Lakers GM I would 100% take this deal if the New York Knicks were to uh present it to me. And some people may know where I'm going with this. Some people may not. But um, if they offered me a package of Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, and let's say maybe Cam Reddish or New Noel, either one of those players, to fill it out to make salaries match, preferably I would take Noel. Um, Excuse me. But... I think like it it already shows you right here it's just like okay Noel I'm getting a rim, pro- rim protector rebounder same thing with Mitchell Robinson very athletic uh it does a lot of good things on the defensive end is kind of offensively limited same with Noel um like they're they're two mirror players of each other, just one's I would say Robinson is just a little bit more uh raw Noel's a little bit more polished, and then you got Randall. there's your offense, so everything that I would be losing with a d going out in terms of defense and offense um. I would be getting back in some form. Uh, I would say that Robinson is probably a little bit more of a better rim protector than Anthony Davis, a little bit more physical. Noel, absolutely more physical. And um, I wouldn't say he's as good as a rim protector, though. And then Randall, of course, he's not as good offensively as Anthony Davis, but he, with a team like that, like, and LeBron James being able to get those open shots, like, it, it's it's something that I'd be foolish not to be looking at, especially because all of those players that I just named uh, outside of Noel are kind of known to be able to play through a good amount of the season and be available when necessary. So, for me, that's something that I I would just be looking at if I were the Lakers. Luckily, I don't have that job because Rob Palenka, I do not envy that man. Uh, This is a very difficult situation. If he's able to turn this... excuse me <laughs> if he's able to turn this around and get this team to be a championship caliber team again i i i would just have to te- tip my hat to him honestly i would just have to tip my hat to him and give give him respect because this this is a very very tumultuous situation right now very like uh but hopefully Darvin Ham is able to come in and make some improvements um I mean he's he's a great coach he's definitely going to be a players coach um uh, but one that holds them accountable and uh we'll we'll see if he's able to get this team to elevate to where they where they should be now Moving on to a team that's starting to continue to elevate is uh, the Kings, actually. And this is my advice to the Kings. Be patient. Do not rush things. Because they are in a very, very great spot with a young team, new coach who's going to be all about his business, going to get them to buy in on the defensive end, on the offensive end. He's going to, like... I'm um, I'm very very happy that Mike Brown is getting this opportunity. It's something that is well deserved. He's he's going to do great things for this team. I think that the main thing that they should do is probably just keep a hold of some veterans. For example, it's so funny because at the top of my list, if I was the Kings GM, I'm re-signing Corey Brewer. If only I'm not expecting him to play a single minute, but all I want him to do is be on the bench and be that veteran presence, be that veteran voice and the voice of reason between the players and the coach be that bridge I, out of anything. That's what I would want him there for. And even looking out and possibly picking up a, a player like a uh, Paul Millsap on a vet minimum, just so you can uh, be able to keep those veteran voices in the locker room, keep some, some of these players that like to keep had their heart on their sleeves. Let's be honest. And check a little bit and let them understand, like, ran in your emotions sometimes. Because Paul Millsap was one of those players as well who had his heart on his sleeve. And eventually he learned and adapted to um, not, not uh, reacting as much as he would have back in his youth. So I think that he would be a good player to be around and have... Uh, really explain and be that that voice you know it's it's definitely uh would be a good look for the Kings but really they're they're in a great position in the next like I don't know two three years this team is gonna be scary to deal with they're n- they're a team where they're just they're just on the cusp. You know, they're about to start ascending and this is part of that ascension. Picking up those old veteran players that were really good at one point but can sit around and teach the the young up-and-comers and that's why i say grab upon Millsap because it, it's essential nobody's going to be really looking for Millsap unfortunately this offseason uh but in the type of role that i'm i envision for him with the kings he would be the perfect fit for that and talking about perfect fits a really easy segue into the warriors who aren't just perfectly fitting together um it it is very dangerous to have uh have the warriors as a basketball team period <laughs> they they really are like one of the best dynasties in NBA history and they 100% are a NBA dynasty with this fourth title. There's no arguing it. They're a dynasty. They, they, Oh my God. It's, it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to see. I don't like that Steph Curry changed the game in the way that he did, but it's it's amazing to see that Steph, Clay, and Draymond are back at the top of the hill. And also, the young guys are coming along. The vets are moving on in age. The young guys are starting to pick up the slack. And, you know... It's it's a real scary time to be an NBA team, period. Let alone be in the Pacific Division. Like this is the Warriors are here. They ain't going nowhere. I mean this this is real real scary. You know? And for the people like even myself, like, I have to rein back my my excitement sometimes about um, the Clippers' opportunities of winning a championship next year because it's always in got to be in the back of your head. It's just like ah, oh, the Warriors are right there, and the Hey, the championship still runs through the Warriors. Like the West runs through the Warriors, and until further notice that's, that's just the way that it's going to be and it's you know I wish it was <laughs> I wish it wasn't but the Warriors are are dogs man and there's, there's really nothing absolutely nothing that they should do other than re-signing their guys bringing back Wiggins like breaking the bank to keep the, that team together there's there's nothing else that they should do. Like, they they are solid. They are a solid team, offensive, defensively, on the court, off the court. It's it's Spurs esque, you know? Like modern day Spurs team. But man. Yeah. I'm um, I'm done swooning over the Golden State Warriors and moving on to my team, the Los Angeles Clippers. And what I really think that they should do is, you know, re-sign everybody, uh, bring everybody back. They've already got Rocco uh on that uh can't remember the exact contract, but he's locked in gotta get Batum back and then the only other person is Isaiah Hartenstein and get everybody back run it back and you know the only thing that I would say is um, hold out hope and that uh, John Wong gets bought out and we're able to pick him up because 100%, one hundred percent. We, the Clippers, do need a true point guard. Um, John Wall would be a great addition to the team. He'd be a welcome addition to the team. Uh, but if he were to get bought out, that's that's always been the thing. Like we need him to get bought out. For us to be able to pick pick 'em up. And uh with that being said, I think I will call it an episode. My throat is really killing me. uh Pause. <coughs> Damn. Yeah. I I'ma need to get off of this and call it a day. Um uh, For everybody who tuned in, really appreciate y'all. Appreciate all the love and support that everybody continues to give me through Instagram. Uh, I am on Twitter, but I really do not like Twitter. So don't even worry about that. But do want to say, again, from the bottom of my heart, Thank you, everybody, for supporting me and listening to the to podcast. I'm still having a lot of fun doing it. You guys are giving me great feedback on it and being very patient with uh, dealing with getting episodes. So I do appreciate that as well. Uh, and until next time, y'all stay healthy out there. Keep washing your hands. Mask up because it is definitely still out there and i do not recommend catching this but that being said check y'all in the next episode peace